about to enter into worship through song, and we are so glad you are here this morning. So glad we are that we are here gathering together, right? And while you are here in this building with us, gathering in one mind, in one accord, we believe you're going to experience three things. And if you know it, say it with me. Life, love, and the pursuit of his presence. And I tell you, there's one thing that as I was meditating on this morning and as, as I was entering in with God on, God, what do you want for us today? There was one thing that I could not shake. And it was from Romans 8 where Paul says, if he is for us, then who could stand against us? And listen, in the Greek, it's so much more powerful because it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? In the Greek, it says, who? What adverse power can there possibly be stronger than our God? Do you hear that this morning? Listen, it doesn't matter what you came in with this morning. It doesn't matter if you didn't want to wake up, if you had trouble, if you woke up with pain in your body, because what the scripture says, right? Straight from the mouth of God, I believe he's saying this morning that there is nothing stronger than him. There is nothing that can separate us from the power and love of God. And so we are here this morning to worship him, not because of what he can do, not because of what he will do, because we know he will do exceedingly, abundantly above what we can think and ask, but because of who he is, because he wants us, he wants you, he sacrificed his son so that he could be in right relationship with you. And so this morning, I want you to just stand up begin in worship. Father, you are holy. You are worthy. We are here for you, God. There is nothing else, nothing else more, more beautiful than for us to gather in your presence, God. And so we pursue you. We run after you, God. We know that you are here, that you have set a table before us, God. And we just want to sit and rest in your presence, God. And so we say together that you are holy and you are worthy, and you are the God above all, that there is nothing more strong than you. There's nothing stronger, more powerful than you, God. And we worship you in your holy, holy name.
Hallelujah. God is good in this place, isn't he? He's so good. Um, I just want to share something with you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, sing Jesus. Your loving kindness is better than life itself. It's better than life itself. Oh, sing Jesus. Your loving kindness, God. Oh, your loving kindness is better.
Hallelujah. Um, I wanted to share with you guys something that God spoke to me about that I think is for um, p- certain people in here, but then also for our church body as a whole. So on Wednesday, we had our first midweek service. And um, I would encourage you guys to come out for that. It's different than Sunday morning, and that's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing to have something different, and it's a chance for you guys to get more involved. But that's, um, that's not really the point. But I would encourage you guys to come out. But anyway, we were praying. It was a prayer service. And um, Josh talked a little bit, and then he kind of let us go to our own devices to pray and pray um, about the church and pray for things specifically for what God is doing um, in our body and in this region. And I kind of started out praying down here, and I was down here for a few minutes, and then I heard God say, go up to the balcony. I'm like, okay. So I went into the balcony, and I sat down, and I started praying. And I'm like, okay, God, what is, what is this about? Why do you want me up here? And he said, I want to give you a new perspective on your promises. And he said, I want you to start looking at things from a different angle. It's the same thing you've been looking at for years and years and years and years, but I want you to see it from a new dimension, from a new level, from a new height. And I thought about how many times I've come into this sanctuary since we've been in this building. It's hundreds of times. And, and my viewpoint, my vantage point, the one I'm comfortable with is kind of from right up here. Like I can see out, I can see everybody, or when, I, when, I, when Josh preaches, I go and stand over there. And that's the perspective that I have that I'm comfortable with. It's my, it's my comfort zone. But God said, no, I want you to start going and seeing things from a new angle. And so I started praying that and speaking that over this congregation, that God would start to pour out a fresh perspective on the same thing. So a new angle and a new dimension to something that you've been praying about for years or something, a situation. It could be something as simple as a situation at work or as, as, um, as strife comes up, as conflict comes up, that God will give you an insight that's a new road and how you wouldn't normally approach a problem. God is going to give that and he's going to start pouring that out. And that fresh perspective is what's going to bring about the promises that he's already given, that he's going to fulfill those things. Amen? So I just want to start speaking that over you guys as we move into worship, and I want you to embrace something new. I want you to embrace a fresh thing, a fresh eye. Say, God, give me fresh eyes. Give me a fresh heart. Give me a fresh mind to see your perspective on this thing. And we're going to continue to worship him and continue to bless him because he is good, because he is faithful, because he never fails, because he is going to produce what he's promised. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. through the ages
Him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Watch him turn it in your favor. He's doing it. Let him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. So hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength. Hello, hope, it's a new rising. Hello, peace, hello, joy, hello, love. Hello, strength, hello, hope, it's a new rising.
hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength, hello hope, it's a new rising, hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength, hello hope, it's a new rising. said this one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and looking unto that which lies ahead, I press. Sometimes you're going to have to say some goodbye to some things before you say hello to the things that God has for you. I got some stuff you can say goodbye to this morning. Goodbye fear, goodbye guilt, goodbye shame. Just be real crazy and wave goodbye. Goodbye pain, goodbye grave, it's a new rising. Goodbye fear, goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye pain, goodbye grave, it's a new rising. Lift the light in, let the light on in. Let the light in, it's a new it's a new rising. So goodbye fear, goodbye guilt, goodbye shame. Somebody needs to sing that this morning. Goodbye pain, goodbye grave. It's a new rising. Goodbye fear. Goodbye, girl. Goodbye, shame. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, grave. It's a new rising. Tell them, Robin, let the light in. Let the light in. Let the light on in. Let the light in. Let the light on in. It's a new horizon. for praise. If you want to research it, there are seven specific Hebrew words for praise in the Old Testament. One of them is Yadah, and it says to rever or worship with outstretched hands, to hold out the hands, to throw a stone or an arrow. And I believe there are some of us in here that need to release some things this morning. Because listen, when we're thinking about this, when we're thinking about stones or arrows, they're two different things, okay? We can have stones that are weighing us down, right? When there was the woman caught in adultery, the people were over her with stones, right? Ready to stone her. But Jesus said, you without sin cast the first stone and they released their, their stones, right? Toppled down to the ground. 
There was nothing else to hold her back in that moment. But then there's also arrows, and we think of arrows. Josh talked about this, I want to say Wednesday night, about the arrows are children, right? The generations to come are our arrows, but we also have the, uh, the arrows of victory, right? We have the arrows that we release in the middle of battle, and then we also have arrows that can be released as a sign like a flare, right? And this morning we have things that we've got to release. Goodbye fear, right? Throwing those stones. Goodbye shame. Goodbye pain. I have nothing to do with you anymore. And then we have those arrows that need to be released, right? God, you are faithful, right? God, you are worthy in my life. You are holy. You are sovereign in my life. God, I need your strength. There's a flare, right? God, I need your hope. There's a flare. And we need to release those. And while we are in worship, we can can have a symbol of that. We can stand with our hands outstretched and we can just stand there. Because he's here, right? And he hears our cry and we can say, goodbye fear. Goodbye shame. Goodbye pain. God, I don't want that anymore. The world says we have to have sickness. You hear me? The world says we have to be in pain and go fix it once a week. But God says that you can have life and have it more abundant, right? So goodbye, pain. I don't want anything to do with you, Nancy. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, fear. Goodbye, shame. I'm done with you, and God, I release my arrows of victory, and I say, hello, peace, hello, hope, hello, joy. It's a new horizon. It's a new horizon to just begin, lift up your hands, begin to toss those stones, toss those arrows. Hello, peace.
Jesus the most in this place, let's give him a hand clap this morning. That's weak. I'm going to press on you a little bit. You knew better than that. Come on. I'm going to come down there with you. Come on, let's lift up a high praise to the high king. Jesus, you are the one that's worthy. We give you all the glory and honor and majesty. We thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you that you have the keys of death and hell in your hands. In all things, all things were made by you and for you. Without you, nothing was made that was made. We thank you that you have risen and ascended and been seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. We just give you glory. We thank you that although all of that is true, that you have chosen in your infinite wisdom to send your spirit to be here among us. Thank you for being among us. Is anybody else grateful for the spirit of God here this morning? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, yeah, some of you read your Bible. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I'll say it like the old church says it. God is good. And all the time, you can be seated. You can be seated. God bless you. Yeah. Are you saying, Josh? Because that's what it sounds like. You come up here and help me preach if you want to. What a good God we serve. And uh, it's amazing when you live in His goodness and you live in the revelation of His goodness. Bad stuff can happen, but it doesn't have to change what's happening inside of you. Don't ever let the storm that's going on around you influence the peace that God has given you within. Amen. Amen. Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. We're going to receive tithing offering this morning. Let's all stand one last time, and then we'll receive that, dismiss for Children's Church, and then move on into the service. Isn't this an unbelievable praise and worship team up here? I'm telling you, man, I know I say it a lot. I, I mean, really, the, none of them are paid. You know, they just volunteer, and they just do such a good job just leading us right into the presence of the Lord. Uh, it's not that His presence wasn't always here. It's just that our awareness of His presence uh, becomes heightened. Our sense of awareness becomes heightened as we, as we worship together and as we hone in on uh, talking about and singing about and declaring about the glory of God. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to give, and we know that what we give is not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed that we sow, and we know that good seed sown into good soil brings good fruit. So I pray a blessing upon everyone that is able to give this morning. I thank you that you are providing in abundance. I just thank you for all that you are and all that you'll do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can bring your gift there. Place it up here in the baskets on your way up or back. Grab two or three people. Just give them a blessing in the Lord. Just shake their hand. Give them a hug if that's what you're into. You can text the amount you would like to give if you want to do it. Some of you are watching from home. You're watching on Facebook Live. You can text the amount you would like to give with your phone. 84321. 84321. Or you can go on to twwc.shirtcenter.com slash giving or our website, which is truevinestatesville.org. Truevinestatesville.org. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, right on time. You got him trained well. Amen. Where's brother and sister? With okay. With Mama. With Mama. Okay. All right. If you're. Uh, We'll just, we're doing children's church and nursery. Children's church, if you have a child from kindergarten through fifth grade, they'll go through that door for children's church back there. And if you, uh, if you have a child that you'd like to take for a nursery, we have a nursery class for uh, 
Young babies all the way up to pre-K, second door down this hallway on the left. If you are a visitor, our restrooms are all the way at the end of that hallway right there. And if you are also a visitor, we'd like to say welcome. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning. Um, we are a family and a community of believers. Uh, we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. We believe that God is good. He's only good, and he's always good. Um, we believe in the afterlife, but we also believe a whole lot more in what Jesus said, I am come, that you might have life here and now. And the, the connotation was here and now, and that you might have it more abundantly. And so that's what we're about is trying to uh, live and walk and understand what the abundant life is um, in our lives, with our families, and in our communities. So, amen. Everybody doing okay this morning? <coughs> Man, I woke up last night choking. Uh, went to sleep about midnight, 1230 with Elizabeth. And I was sleeping well, man, I started choking really bad, and I woke up, and uh, about an hour and a half later, I was able to sort of calm back down. So I'm going to have a little bit of water while I'm preaching, if you don't mind, I'm sure you don't. Uh, don't really care if you do, I'm still going to have it. <laughs> so don't mean to sound obtuse, but it's the reality, i got to have some water. I want to talk to you this morning about something you've heard me talk about before, um, and it's found in Acts chapter 3. I love the book of Acts. And the reason that I love the book of Acts is I believe that the, books, the book of Acts shows us what the prototypical church is supposed to always have looked like. And I, I'm, that's not to say that um, with our modern technology and, and our ability to come into a nice facility and have screens and all that stuff uh, is a bad thing. Uh, but I think that when we put performance and program above presence, we've got a major problem. And the early church, the focus is always about the presence. In fact, um, in 2023, on a daily basis, I get emails, and, they, and they're well-intended emails. We can teach you how to grow your church and teach you how to get new members, 100 new members within six months. And I thought back to Acts when the Bible says, And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be added. And I thought, maybe it's not my job to add numbers to the church. Maybe my job is the same job that they had, and that's to go to make disciples of all men. And so the emphasis that we have and that I have is on, is on uh, making, you know, trying to make disciples. But when you look at the model, when you look at the early church, there were several things that were remarkable about the early church that are almost unheard of and unfound in 2023. And one of them is, is, the, is miracles, which we've seen. Look, I live every day with a miracle. My little daughter, she's in here somewhere, or she maybe went to the bathroom. She should not be walking. She should not be alive. She should not be talking. She certainly should not have her personality. And all of those things she is doing and does have. To the glory of God. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can, that's okay. I have no problem with you clapping that my daughter's alive. That's also obviously a good thing. Um, somewhere along the line, we came up with this idea of cessation, which is to say that the miracles and, and the signs and wonders that the early church saw were only for their generation. And I can tell you for a fact that it's not the case. If that is the case, and I don't know who's working all these miracles because Jesus is doing them, he still does them today, and he wants to do them. I think what really happened was we create doctrine and theology based on our experience. And because we don't experience the power of God and because we've never experienced the laying on of hands and the sick recovering and miracles happen, then we just assume that must have just been for the church. And so we create these dogmas and doctrines and theologies that said you can't do them. So much that when they happen, people in religious circles challenge, did God really do that? Well, I can tell you the devil didn't make my daughter better. Religion didn't make my daughter better. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in her mortal body. And because it does, it quickened her mortal body. And after several minutes of a heart being stopped, it brought her back to life. And is now you see her walking when she shouldn't be walking. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, but I love the book of Acts because it just, I feel like we've got to get back to the model of the early church. I think that we can have the stuff, uh, but if, if we put the stuff above the, the presence, we got a major issue. Amen. Amen. So from Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation this morning just because I like it and it really irritates religious spirits, so I want to do it even more because it does that. Acts chapter 3, I was on a a conference call with uh, Randall Worley last year, and he had Brian Simmons on, who was the lead translator for the Passion. I don't know how people can listen to this man and listen to his heart and think that there's some sort of an issue. He's just taking Greek and the Aramaic and just saying this is uh, what this says, and this is what we feel like a, a, a rendering of this translation would be. It amazes me people that even preach you should only come out of one scripture. And I'm like, because it's the only translation. I'm like, yeah, but when you talk about it and tell your congregation what you think it means, you're translating the scripture. I guess that's okay, but don't let somebody put it into a book form. Otherwise, unless you're just getting up and reading scripture, if you're putting your ideas of what you think it says on it, you're doing exactly what you're accusing everybody else of not, shouldn't be doing. But I'm not one that gossips, so you haven't heard that from me. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the... Prayer. I just said that real southern. Prayer. Prayer. As they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a man, crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. I love that Peter said that because I think the connotation is stop looking at your problem and stop begging for what you think the, the simple uh, the temporary answer is and look at us. Look, if Jesus can take a, a ruggedy old fisherman that denies him three times and restore me back, look at us. Look at what Jesus, that he's, get your focus off of the problem and get it on to the problem solver or the ones that carry the problem solver. <clears throat> Look at us, expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, or as your King James says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. He says, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly, somebody say suddenly. You know what suddenly means? One second, it's this way, and then within an instant, now it's this way. That's what suddenly is. Suddenly's happen instantaneously, but they take a long time to develop. I'm going to say that again because it went over some of your heads. I said suddenly's happen instantaneously, but sometimes they take a long time to develop. Jesus was a suddenly when he was born, but it took nine months for Mary to develop him in her womb after she was uh, conceived and overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The disciples were told by Jesus, day 40, after he rose from the dead, go up into, the upper, go up into a place, tarry you here in Jerusalem, and wait until you be endued, uh, overwhelmed, overcome with, filled with power from on high. And so they went and they stayed in this upper room place, and it didn't happen for 10 more days. For 10 days they're there. 500 start. By the time it's done, 120 stay. Right? Did you know that? Does anybody read their Bible? That means 380 people got tired of waiting, and it was only 10 days, and it was going to be the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that had ever happened in the history of mankind. It was going to be the Spirit that was inside of Jesus bodily and completely because the Bible.
says all of the Godhead dwelt within him bodily. He was going to pour it out upon his church. It would be the birthday of the church. And they didn't know that it was going to happen at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, 10 days after he left. They just knew they were supposed to wait until it happened. And some people get really tired waiting, but if you'll continue to wait and you'll continue to believe God is as good as his promise, he's as good as his word, and after 10 days the Bible says, and suddenly... Remember that? They were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled not just the stage, it filled all the house where they were sitting. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So it is true that suddenly change things in an instant, but they take time to develop. That was the free part, not anything that I'm preaching today. I'm glad the four or five of you laughed, because I feel like I just made a lot of other people upset. Like, man, get to the point, Bunton, we're trying to eat. When all the people saw him jump, oh, I'm sorry. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. I just want to tell you, some of you have come in here this morning for some alms, but God's got a whole lot better for you than you came in for. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> dumbfounded over what they were witnessing the crowd run over to Peter and John who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's porch excuse me standing there also was the healed beggar clinging to Peter and John I love that I love that it amazes it amazes me I'm 45 now I know that's really hard for you to believe I've been in ministry I've been in ministry for the better part of 25 years at least preaching ministry I went over to India and started preaching against my will I would like to add a, add uh, the Lord had uh, other plans for me 25 years ago now. In fact, it'd be 25 years ago this month I started preaching um, and witnessing and evangelizing. Um, it amazes me how people don't want anything to do with you until God uses you to perform the miraculous. Then they'll cling to you like you're the greatest things ever lived. Bless you. My goodness. You feel better? Standing there also was the, <clears throat> the healed beggar, <clears throat> excuse me, clinging to Peter and John. When the, with the crowd surrounding him, Peter stood up and said, People of Israel, listen to me. Why are you so amazed by this healing, and why do you stare at us? We did not make this crippled man walk by our own power or authority. The God of our ancestors, thank you, the God of Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has done this, for he has glorified his servant Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face when he decided to release him, and you insisted that he be crucified. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous, and instead begged for a murderer to be released. <clears throat> A murderer to be released. I said something. I preached a message a couple years ago. It was during the, uh, it was during the, I think the presidential election or leading up to it. And I talked. Do you remember I talked about uh, uh, Pilate? Uh, I talked about uh, Pilate, Jesus. I talked about um, um, a Barabbas. Do you remember? The, do you remember that when I talked about that? I can't remember the title. Of it. it was a really good title. I should remember it now. But I said there's a whole lot of people that in 2020 were ready to go and kill their political opponent. And I said if that is you, you don't have the spirit of Jesus. You've got the spirit of Barabbas. Didn't make any friends that day, not even a little bit. Because I never said I was standing on this side or that side. So I made left and right. Both were mad at me. Because all they want to do, half of them want to crucify Trump. The other ones want to crucify Biden. As if that's going to fix anything. 
Those clowns don't care anything about you. God bless them. They don't care anything about you. The answer is not found in the White House. It's found in your house. It's found in the church house. It's found in the house of God, period. That's where, the, that's where revolution starts. That's where awakening starts. I don't mean revolution like overthrow. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about r- real revolution where we live the way of Jesus and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sermon on the Mount, that is the, that is the only constitution of the new covenant that really matters anyways. It is the constitution of the new covenant. Amen. My fellow Jews, I realize that neither you nor your leaders realize the grave mistake that you have made. But in spite of what you've done, God has fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets long ago about the sufferings of his anointed one. And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed. And here's what I want to talk about. And I've talked about it before, but in a different light. And so that the times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. Somebody say times of refreshing. Mm -hmm. And he will send you Jesus the Messiah, the appointed one, for he must remain in heaven until the restoration, or the King James says, the restitution of all things. Hmm. That's an interesting word. I looked it up, and all means all, even in the Greek. Fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets. For not, has not Moses told us, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you who is like me. Listen to him and follow everything that he tells you. Every person who disobeys the prophet will be cut off. In fact, every prophet from the time of Samuel onward has prophesied of these days. And you are heirs of these prophecies and of the covenants God made with your fathers when he promised Abraham, your descendant will bring blessings to all the people of the earth. Now that God raised up his son, he has chosen to send him first to you that he might bless you by turning each one of you from from your wicked ways so amen everybody say amen so what i want to talk about don't don't you don't have to fasten your safety belts too hard i'm not going anything that ought to make you uncomfortable i want to talk about what i believe with all of my heart and i'm, I'm going to try to qualify it by scripture and qualify it by the spirit because the only two qualifiers the two witnesses in this in, in that we understand are always the spirit and the word period and if it bears witness with the spirit and you can find it in the word it's probably a pretty good thing that you can count on God going to be doing it and I believe with all my heart that we are walking into the season called the times of refreshing so I'm going to prophesy to you that the times of refreshing are coming to you are coming to your household coming to you individually amen I want to point out that it says the times of refreshing come which is indicative that the times of refreshing don't happen When the times of refreshing come, which tells me that the times of refreshing is a prepared place that's just waiting for your arrival. <clears throat> or, better, or better said than your arrival, you're, 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 re, you're returning. Or, or you're returning to the garden. What is the garden? What do we think about when we think of the garden? We think of paradise. Perfect, unbroken communion with the Father. That's what, that's what refreshing really is. When you have perfect, unbroken communion, there's no, there's no sin consciousness, there's no consciousness of everything that you did wrong and everything that you could have done better, and because I sinned and because I messed up, I hide my face from God, and now because I've hidden my face from God, I feel separated. Now that I feel separated, there's coming a death, and now I've got to be ex- 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 expelled from the God. No, no, no. Perfect, unbroken communion. Jesus came to undo all that Adam did in a garden. Jesus actually re- did come to undo in a garden everything that Adam messed up in the first garden. I talked to you last week about some divine reversals. Do you remember that? Everything that Adam lost in a garden, Jesus won back in a garden. Amen. Refreshing in this context denotes the idea of receiving breath again. In fact, the word is an exuxus, and it means the recovery of breath. 
Peter stands up before these men and say, and say, turn back and turn from. Repent does not just mean say, I'm sorry. And in the in the Western in Western churches, we have so emphasized saying I'm sorry that we have confused repentance with saying I'm sorry. Repentance has zero to do whatsoever with just saying I'm sorry. That's that's an apology. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but repentance means to turn. Am I preaching to two people? Because I feel like I'm feel like I kind of lost you. I just want to make sure you're okay. If you're bored, you're welcome to leave. You know. Repent means to turn, and it's not just turning from something. There is, there is the reality that when you repent, you're turning from something, but the emphasis is not what you're turning from. The emphasis has to be what you're, returning, what you're turning to. Because if we always emphasize what people should turn from and don't give them something to turn to, inevitably they're going to turn back to the thing from which they turned in the first place. We emphasize you shouldn't... You know, cuss and smoke and chew and drink and blah, 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 blah. And really all that is not even sin. That's symptoms of sin. Sin is literally a mistaken identity. It's a fallen nature. When Adam assumed a nature other than the nature that Father had given him by partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit that he was not supposed to have take, partaken of, then he saw himself, actually saw himself for the first time, and he, in his mind he didn't look just like God, which is the image in which he was created. He saw himself as naked, which means he saw himself as without. He had always been covered and clothed with the glory of God, but now he saw himself as without and wanted to be covered with some sort of artificial thing to cover up what he thought was his failure. And so the scripture said, I was naked because I was afraid, so I hid. And in 2023, so many people perceive themselves as being naked, and so they become afraid. Naked doesn't mean without clothes. It means I, I don't think that I'm good enough, or I don't have the right this, or I don't have the right that, so I'm going to hide myself. I see myself as naked, so I'm afraid, so I hide. We hide from relationships. We hide from promotion. We hide from all kinds of things in the kingdom that God wants us to have. The point of it being, you cannot repent from, from something without having something to turn to. So what I like to emphasize is the goodness of God, the mercy of the prodigal father. Prodigal means extravagant spender. The son was an extravagant spender, but the father gave all that he had, so he's a more extravagant spender. So it would be more rightly called the story of the prodigal father more than the story of the prodigal son and say that God loves you, that God is for you, that you still have purpose, that he wants to call you into his kingdom, He's trying to renew within you the spirit to understand that you, that you are called to perfect and unbroken communion with Him. That's real repentance. But refreshing in this context, when the times of refreshing comes, it means the recovery of breath. I want to read this. True revival, I wrote this down. True revival is less about Holy Ghost goosebumps, fast songs, slow songs, and feeling good after service, and it's much more about breathing again. I'm for all those things. If you feel, you know, I, I have somebody that I saw yesterday working out at the gym. A little kid came up to me. Not a little kid. He's a junior at South. And he said, man, I, I was there the first service that Abby came. And she was talking about how God had, you know, blessed her. He said, man, I had goose pimples. I had goosebumps. That's okay. And that's all good. But that cannot be the limit of our experience of understanding God's presence. That's a good starting spot. Breathing in the very breath of God. There's a fresh wind, a fresh bread that has been released in this place, at least since the day of Abigail's accident. Because what happened was a collective got together and decided we're going to pray and we're going to bombard heaven on Abby's behalf and on the family's behalf. And, and, and it opened up this portal. It opened up this door. I don't know how to, else to describe it. And there has been an abundance of blessing and refreshing, like a refreshing rain has come ever since. And it feels like day after day it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. I don't mean heavy like it's hard to carry. I mean heavy like the word for glory in the, in the, in the Hebrew is kabod and in the Greek it's doxa and they both mean heavy or weightiness. 
And, and there's been this weighty glory that has been released upon this house, especially in at least since that day, and it's been ever increasing. Anybody else experiencing that? This is called the times of refreshing. It sparked a revival in the sense that we have literally and figuratively taken a fresh breath. And our individual and collective, uh, or an individually and collectively, we're learn, learning to breathe again. Now, i got a question for you, and I gave this example before because this is literally the example. This is the best way to, to give you a metaphor to understand what is happening. Have you ever played sports? Raise your hands if you ever played sports. Now, don't put your hand up if you're a cheerleader because that's not a sport. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just figured I'd grab your attention. Just re- at, least, at least you're paying attention if you're mad at me. No, these cheerleaders do some unbelievable acrobatic, crazy, well, some, some of them do. Bless our poor school. They don't do a whole lot of that, but they try. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen like three girls fall this year. I'm like, man, y'all need, some, y'all need something else. You know, get a different routine. This ain't working. Ever had your breath knocked out of you? I played, uh, I played sports throughout school, and I was, a good, I was a good athlete, and for, you know, for a little local boy, and I played, in high school, I played soccer. <clears throat> and um, we did summer camps down at Davidson College. Um, I loved it, and the, and the coach's name was Charlie Slagle back then, back in the 90s, in the late 1900s, you know, <laughs> as I've heard it called by, by, by some of these little teeny boppers. This morning. <laughs> and I remember I was, I, I was playing, uh, I played goalkeeper, and I was a pretty good little goalkeeper, and we were playing against Statesville, and that's kind of like a Carolina Duke thing, West Ireland Statesville. We just hate them. I mean, there's nothing about Statesville that's ever been good, ever, ever, ever. Talking about the school. Love the people, hate the school, hate the aura, hate everything. Anybody here from Statesville? God bless you. We just want to pray for you. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Just. But Cam, it's, it's the same way with West, right? It's like you just want to destroy him, and that's, that's the way that it was. So we're playing them. We're playing them. I, I, I jump over. I make a, a diving save, and, and a kid comes and just kicks me right in the face. He knocks me out. I was out cold after I made the save, right? Uh, in that, in that time, I was taken down to Charlotte Medical. I was calling, apparently, the, the coach, Charlie Slagle, dad. Mom and dad met me down there. Was it, was it Carolina's Medical? Where, where did they take me down there? Somewhere down in, in Huntersville or Charlotte or something. Anyways, I finally woke up, whatever. And uh, I don't care. We beat State, so that's all I cared about. Uh, but in another game, I got kicked in the stomach, which you know, if you're diving all over the place, that happens. You kick in the stomach, just knocks your wind out. I mean, and that, have you ever had that happen? That hurts. And especially if you're a child, you ever had, a, you have little children here, you ever had the children get their wind knocked out? Man, they, Jason, good Lord, he panics. Where is he? Is he in here? There he is. Come here, Jason. Come real quick. We'll give, we'll give him a visual. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm good. This, I, I just figured you'd rather see it than hear about it. I just stand up and I'm just going to, no. Jason has had, uh, the Lord has blessed him, but Jason's had breathing issues since he was little. He, sometimes he'll have to use a little rescue inhaler, and it's gotten better and better, but he'll run. I think sometimes he says that he has breathing issues when I'm making him run as the coach because he doesn't want to do the running anymore. He's like, <laughs> Dad. I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> he's telling on himself. That's ne- it's never happened yet. I know. I know it's never happened. I look at him like, Man, I really don't want the kid to die, but he needs to run. You know? <laughs> and, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I mean, I do have three other sons. If the worst case happens, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Get off the stage. Get off the stage. But that is, you can panic. And little kids, I've been a coach for 26 years, 20, 26, 27 years now. Little kids, if they get the wind knocked out, man, it panics. There's something that actually happens. Um. The mechanics involved in breathing are kind of complicated, but your diaphragm, 
or the dome-shaped piece of muscle and tendon that your music teachers tell you to sing from. I told her I was trying to teach Rachel Wednesday. We were here practicing singing because I'm trying to train her to sing, like to sing from your diaphragm. My dad used to say, Josh, stop singing from your throat. Stop singing from your nasal cavity. For God's sake, sing from your diaphragm. You know, um, it, it, uh, it lies just beneath your lungs and separates your abdominal cavity from your chest cavity. And when you take a breath in, your diaphragm tightens and it's pulled down to allow your lungs to expand. So when you exhale, your diaphragm relaxes and is pushed back up to expel the air from your lungs. If you take a punch in your gut or back, your diaphragm essentially spasms, tightens up, and, and, and it is rendered useless. Momentarily useless. It's literally, it's literally a temporary paralysis of your diaphragm. And when it isn't working properly, you can't breathe. So getting the wind knocked out of you can be terrifying, but it's not life-threatening. This is from uh, WebMD, actually. Other muscles in your abdominal cavity kick in to help you breathe while your diaphragm is temporarily paralyzed. And you usually can resume normal breathing within a few minutes or so. But you've had that happen. And you lay there and you're, uh. It happened to me last night. I'm like, man, what the heck? I'm trying to sleep. In life, we go through things that knock the wind out of us. For me, personally, it was last year, you know the story, and I don't, look, this is, our, this is a testimony of our family. Uh, on October 29th, I was calling my daughter, my son had gotten home, I was calling my daughter, she didn't answer, and if it had been Elizabeth, I wouldn't have thought anything about it, but Abby normally answers, responds, texts, I text her, call her, text her, call. finally FaceTimed her, and I know, I don't want to belabor the point, I know a lot of you know the story, but finally the EMT worker answers the phone, and she says, uh, she says, hello, and I said, I said, hey, who are you? And she said, well, who are you trying to reach? I said, Abigail. Who's Abigail to you? I said, this is my daughter. I'm her father. She said, I have grave news for you. Um, Abby's been in a terrible accident, and, uh, you know, if you want to see her alive, get down to Charlotte Medical Center. They're flying her down there now. Literally, I can tell you, standing on my front porch, my son was just to my left, Jacob. I was, I was paralyzed in that moment. I'm going to tell you something else. I'm full of the Spirit. I believe and I know, and, I'm, and, and I've watched God perform miracle upon miracle. I've seen people for 40 minutes dead raised from the dead. I've watched deaf ears open multiple times. The very first miracle God ever used me that I know of uh, to, to help someone with was a, was a 34-year-old 34, man in India, and his eyes were open. He'd been blind his whole life. God heals. I watched it, and yet in this moment, I was paralyzed. I felt like I had been punched in the gut. Some of you know that feeling all too well. The part of you that sings, the part, of you, the part of you that sings, it's not working. So in essence, you've not just lost your breath, but you've lost your song. Life can be that way sometimes. In 2022, it definitely was that for me. I want to give God glory and say that in the midst of 2022, God did so many remarkable things, including allowing us to finally purchase the building that we've been leasing for so many years, other good things that happened. But man, 2022 just came and kicked the breath out of me. Can I be vulnerable? Is that not a good thing? I'm not, I'm not a glow-in-the-dark preacher. I know a lot of the other guys in the neighborhood want their congregations to think that. I'm not that. I'm a human. I heard. I believe. And man, 2020, I did 12 funerals in 2022. And I was this close to doing my 13th. And if I had done it, I would have quit everything. I just, I just know. I just know. Sounds bad, but we'll wait till you get in that position. We'll see how you feel. In fact, my friend had a dream about it, Joey. Um, if it had gone the other way and Abby hadn't survived, I just got up here and just said, I can't do this anymore. And that probably would have been the truth. I don't think I could have stood, stood up here anymore. 
knocked the wind out of me. In one week, my father-in-law died, and my mother and her, found her sister dead in a car. I was doing one funeral. I had gone to see a friend of ours, Tammy Scott, who's been a part of the church for, since we were over at the school, you know, six, seven, eight years, not a long time. Talked to her on Sunday, and uh, that Wednesday, she's dead. Barely get one funeral done. I did, three, I did three funerals from people that were members or part of this church in 12 days. I finally looked. I, was, I remember I was standing over there on that side of the, of the, of the church when, when my Aunt Diane's funeral. And I just, I just wept and I said, God, I'm sick of doing funerals. I hate this. I hate death. I, I, know, that God's, I know that God's perception of death is different than ours because we see death as, as, as the end and the ultimate. But that's not the way God sees it because he doesn't live in time and space. Time and space lives inside of him. So even though they cross over into the next realm, he's there. You know, he's there. But we miss him because we don't see him here anymore. Am I okay still? Can I talk to you for a minute? It, it knocked the breath out of me. Um, I think I was this close to burying my own daughter. I told God, I'm not doing any more funerals this year. You can find somebody else. I'm not doing it. I don't want to see anybody else die. And nobody, I didn't have to bury another person all last year. But man, it was so hard. Was it hard for me? Is, is, can we be vulnerable? Was it hard for anybody else last year? My God, every time you turn around, it's like, man, can there be some? I told you at the beginning of the year, the Lord had spoken to me that it would be a year, year full of death and joy. And man, it seemed like the death was a whole lot bigger than the joy, if I were to be honest with you. Just you or me. Me too. Uh, there are other things, private battles, that I wouldn't mention in public that we also were attacked by my family and myself uh, last year. Things come along unexpectedly and knock the wind, the breath out of us. For some, it's the untimely loss of a loved one. For some, it might be bad news from your doctor. And for some, it may be divorce or the inability to have a baby. You can fill in your own blank. We all go through these times, but there's another place in God. There is another place in God. And if you're still breathing, your story is not over. <clears throat> As Corey Asbury said, the story isn't over until the story is good. If you're still breathing, the story's not over. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is, Woodrow. It doesn't matter what the prognosis from the doctor is. We know what the truth is. And the truth is, I will live and not die and declare the works. He's still doing it. And the doctor can't believe how he's putting on weight when he should have been losing weight. He said, well, I'm just doing what I do. Going to work and eating and living life. Is that pretty essentially what they've said or what you've told them? And they can't believe it. Why? Because there is another place in God that you can get to where all of these things don't matter and these other things outside can't touch you. And it's called the times of refreshing. It's a prepared place called the times of refreshing or, or a, a chiroi act, the opportune time to catch your breath, essentially. Times of refreshing. If I were to take the times of refreshing... Go back to the Greek and look up what the words actually means. It literally means the opportune time to catch your breath. And I believe that in this year, 2023, is the time for us individually, for us in our families, and for us collectively as a body to, to catch our breath. It was knocked out in 2022. We're going to catch it in 2023. In fact, some of us already are. Someone in here did not hear a definition, but you heard a prophetic declaration. Boy, it's quiet in here. It, 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 is, it, is, it is frighteningly quiet. Frighteningly quiet. It's very good. Because it's not just a message I wanted to prayer, prepare to try to make it. It's something I feel like the Lord is saying to us. Look, you're going to catch your breath in 2023. 
I know that you got your wind knocked out of you in 2022, but just like God reached over in the Garden of Eden and breathed breath into the nostrils of Adam and gave him the breath of life, just like on, on the very day of resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that in 2023, those of us that have, that have had the breath knocked out are going to go say, We're going to breathe in the fresh air of the presence and the Spirit of God. We're going to walk in victory. Amen. You okay? Well, take a fresh breath. <laughs> Someone in here did not get a definition, but a prophetic declaration. It's time to get your breath back. Lean back and feel his breath upon your face as he resuscitates you and brings you back to life. 2023, I am declaring to you prophetically that 2023 will be a year where you are resuscitated, where all the things that you thought were stolen or at least temporarily put on halt, you're going to breathe in again the presence of God. You're going to breathe in again the life of God. I'm I've watched it in my own life. I watched God bring my daughter from her heart being stopped all the way back. You saw her singing up here this morning. She wasn't even planning to sing. She, I got to get up there. I got to give God glory for the things that he's done. And it is just a sign. It is just a symbol for all that God wants to do for every one of you coming in 2023 you're gonna breathe again feel the breath of the creator coursing over you and through you it's the same breath that Adam felt in the garden it's the same breath that the disciples felt upon the day of resurrection it's the same breath that filled the lungs of the dead Nazarene 2,000 years ago and called him to come to life again and forevermore it is the same breath that's coming in this room right now it's the same breath that's filling this room it's the same breath that was felt like a rushing mighty wind in the upper room in the second chapter of Acts it's the same breath that blew upon the prison doors for Paul and Silas and over Open the prison doors of everybody that was in prison. Now is the appointed time. These are the times of refreshing. Inhale new life. Inhale new vigor. New vitality. After breathing in this refreshing life, even your exhale will bring life to all the creation around you. Amen. He's refreshing you. Your breath is coming back. In these times of refreshing, I want to can I can I prophesy to you for a second? You believe in it, all it is is a word from the Lord being given to you. You receive it, and it goes deep like seed into the soil of your soul until it brings forth fruit. Anybody like to have a prophetic word this morning? We all like those things. Here you go. In these times of refreshing, your health is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your song is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your breath is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your joy is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your peace is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your laughter is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your joy is coming back. In, your in these times of refreshing, your creativity is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your love for life is... Is anybody else hearing this besides me? I feel like three people are receiving, and I want all of you to receive. In these times of refreshing, your song is coming back, and your joy is coming back, and your laughter is coming back, and your vitality is coming back, and your zeal for God and things of God is coming back, and your outlook on life is going to begin to look up, and you're going to see arise and shine, for my light is come, and the glory of God has risen upon me. In these in these times of refreshing, even as you exhale, all of the things that are around you will receive the same life that you've received. I said, in these times of refreshing, even when you exhale, everything around you will receive from you the same life that you received. That's how Jesus was able to breathe life upon his disciples because his father bent over and breathed life into his lifeless body. These are the times of refreshing. It's a prepared place. 
Jacob. Come get my guitar, Jacob. Turn the acoustic up, Steve, or whoever's back there. I can hardly see. You play anything you want to play. I tell you what, and the Lord spoke this to me. I was a whole lot more excited than I know how to put into words. I finally, man, I've been waiting a long time. 2022, can I, can I be real plain? Man, it sucked for me. I can't believe you said that. I know what you said before you got here. And the Lord does too, you judgmental thing. It was hard, man. It, it almost killed me. I wept like a baby. I, I wept more than I laughed in the whole year. I genuinely wept more than I laughed in the entire year. And I am a happy person by nature. I'm funny and I'm happy and I like to, you know, I like to laugh. That's in dad gab. Oh, you got it? Man, Christian, I cried a lot. Half of the stuff that I cried over, I'll never tell another soul. My wife, but I'll never tell another soul. It's nobody, it's really not anybody's business. And I, the last thing I need is a pity party. Man, Kim, I cried a lot. I was hurt. And just every single time it felt like I was going to breathe, boom, life came and knocked the wind out again. I'm like, are you kidding me with this? I literally looked up to the sky at times, and I know God lives within me. I'm like, hey, is there more that I've got to endure? Like, what is this? Has anybody ever said that with God? I talk to God because he's real, and he talks to me like I'm real too. Believe me, he has no how to put me in my place, and he has no problem doing it, and I'm thankful. He's the only father I've, I've had for 10 years. My dad's been gone 10 plus years, so I'm thankful that the Lord has become my father. But man, prognosis from the doctor, you know, phone calls. I mean, we're, up, we're up doing our best to try to worship up in West Virginia. And the next thing I know, hey, your aunt's missing. They can't find her. And the next thing you know, all they found her, she was dead in her car. What? I mean, man, we just spent last night worshiping for four hours, leading people to the presence of God, and this is the news that I get. And then I get home, and one of my all-time heroes has fallen over, been, his house was broken into, and he was beaten almost to a bloody pulp, and he looked like himself. Played, played drums with my dad, the, probably the very first drummer that this church ministry ever had. And he was a hero to us little boys growing up, and a musical hero, and then he dies. And then uh, you've already heard, I mean, it was 12 people. I was here doing my Aunt Diane's funeral when I got the message that my father-in-law had had a stroke and was being rushed to the hospital and he would never recover from it. I literally looked up one time and I just said, God, are you kidding me with this? Man, this, this sucks. This is hard. This hurts because life hurts. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. This is, this is a scripture. This is Paul saying, he said, I reckon, he was a southerner like me, he said, I reckon. Really what it means is I have done all the math, and when I put it in the scales and I weigh it out, I reckon that the sufferings on this side are not even, it should not even be compared to the glory, not that we're going to get in the sweet by and by, but that is about to be revealed in us. I think what Paul was saying is, man, it, it's okay. And in life, there are going to come times when you're going to have your wind knocked out. But don't give up. It is a temporary paralysis. It is a temporary situation. God is faithful, and he will come back around by way of his promise, and you will breathe again. There will be a time of refreshing. It'll feel like, it'll feel like rain in a drought. It'll feel like a smorgasbord of food when you've not eaten in weeks. Josh, you're just pumping us full of hopium. No, I hope, I hope that you receive hope again. But, I, but, man, I know what it's like when you just get punched again and again and again. It'd be real easy to just lay there and say, man, I'm done with this. I just, just take me. Take me out of here. 
because nothing seems to work. But I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart, and I've seen it. I have, I have seen, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it with my own heart that God, by His Spirit, is raising uh, it has raised my daughter back up, has raised our family back up. And for many of you in this place, I believe you're going to step into, it's a prepared place. Listen to me. The garden that God made in Eden, that he planted in Eden, it was a prepared place. Did you know when Adam and Eve were created, everything they would ever need was already there in the garden waiting on them? Did you know that? What if I were to tell you there is still this place in God, this, this, I call it at times refreshing because I see it like a garden with fresh, beautiful rain flowing onto the garden and causing beautiful fruit. That's what I see. And some of you in this day are going to begin to walk into that season of the times of refreshing. How many people would like to walk in there? Stand up if that's you. If it ain't, that's okay. No, no condemnation from me. Father, we believe right now. I'm going to read it because you said read it again. That's what I'll do. In this time of refreshing, our breath will come back. In these times of refreshing, our health is coming back. In these times of refreshing, your song is coming back. In these times of refreshing, our joy is coming back. In these times of refreshing, our peace is coming back. In this time of refreshing, our laughter is coming back. In these times of refreshing, our creativity is coming back. In these times of refreshing, love for life and zeal for life is coming back. These are the times of refreshing. This is a prepared place. Turn and see it. Hear the calling garden. Hear his voice. His breath is found here. His breath is found here in this place, in this place of the calling garden. Father, I thank you for my friends that are here as a part of this community of believers and those that are here visiting. They're all your sons and daughters. They're all your sons and daughters. And I know how bad last year was for many of us, including myself. It was tough, Lord. It was really tough. But I believe that it was momentary paralysis. But now we begin to breathe you in again. Breathe your spirit in again. We receive this, uh, this invitation to come into the times of refreshing. Into a place where all things are prepared for us. I see a prepared table. I see a watered garden. Uh, I see a brand new sunshine. I see so much, Father. And, and I'm not trying to just throw out cliches and metaphor. I'm telling you what I see by the Spirit. And I pray, Father. That as we hear that invitation, we believe. Because the first step towards walking in is, to, first of all, to believe. That this is not just a possibility, but a reality that's, that's, that is uh, an invitation to us now. So, Father, we walk into this place with our heads high, knowing that, yes, we may have gotten the wind kicked out, but it was only a temporary thing. We were going to breathe again, live again, laugh again, hope again. I thank you for the growth that you've brought among us. I thank you for everyone that's here. I bless their bodies in the name of Jesus. You said in your scripture that with your stripes we were healed, and by your stripes we are healed. You said that healing is the children's bread. Father, I see you rising with, over your people with healing in your wings. I just bless everyone under the sound of my voice right now in the name of Jesus. I bless them with the blessings of heaven because you prayed and said when we were to pray to say your kingdom come and your will be done here in earth as it is in heaven. So if we can't be sick in heaven, we shouldn't be sick in earth. So right now, I release that upon your people. I thank you, Father, for new vigor, for new dreams, for new aspirations, for new visions, for new goals. Father, not just for this year, but for this very day and for our lives. I thank you for inviting us into that place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?